If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's essentially the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need on one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your pod right from your phone or your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your pod on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hi guys, welcome to Let's Process This, the podcast that explores overcoming obstacles and how that informs the creative process. So you can be inspired, empowered, and encouraged by amazing true stories of fascinating creative geniuses. During the pandemic, Let's Process This is air quotes filmed in front of a live audience on Instagram Live at Real Melinda Hill on Monday nights betwixt 5 to 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And you can email your questions for our guests into lptpod at gmail.com prior to showtime or during the interview via IG Live, and we will answer as many as we can at the end of our chat. Thank you so much for your support of the Let's Process This show. We super appreciate you tuning in and sharing it with your friends. And did you know that you can also subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and you can also become a sponsor for as little as five dollars a month or whatever amount you'd love to pledge you can help keep this show going and you can do it all at anchor.com forward slash melinda hill or anywhere you get podcasts just click on let's process this podcast today i want to introduce my very exciting guest Rebecca Cutter is a television writer and the creator, showrunner, and executive producer of the upcoming Stars crime drama, Hightown. The show takes place in Cape Cod against the backdrop of the opiate epidemic, exploring themes of addiction and recovery, darkness and redemption in one of the most beautiful places on earth. Before television, Rebecca established herself as an independent feature writer and director. Her short film, Eating, premiered at Sundance in 2005 and she made her feature debut in 2012 with the thriller Besties. Her other television credits include Code Black, Gotham, and The Mentalist. Rebecca was born and raised in Massachusetts and spent her childhood summers in Provincetown. She currently resides in L.A. with her masshole husband and her two daughters. Rebecca? Hi, Melinda. I'm so happy that you could join us today because I'm really excited about your new TV show. Thanks, me too. Hi, Town. (laughs) I'm wicked excited for it. Can you tell me more about it? Like, what exactly is it all about? When does it, first of all, when does it premiere? How can people watch it? Okay, well, it's coming out May 17th, right around the corner on Stars or Stars Play, I think, which is the app. I'm super low-tech, but basically you have to get stars. Um, And like you said, it's a crime drama. It takes place in Cape Cod. It's sort of, I want to say it's like about the underbelly of this really beautiful place that we associate with the Kennedys and all that. But I don't, it actually isn't that. I mean, it's really, I mean, all of America right now can associate with the idea of like, this opiate epidemic came along and kind of like changed life for a lot of people in a lot of small towns across the country. So it's not, 
you know, it is very specifically about Cape Cod, but I hope that it's relatable far beyond that. And certainly Cape Cod is a beautiful place and is not, you know, as seedy as, as all that. How did you come up yeah. with the idea for High Town? So many different ways. Uh, I mean, I've tried to write things that take place there for, um, cause it's really like my happy place. Um, but I was driving on the five South and I got the idea for the lead character. She just like jumped into my mind. Um, she's sort of like Dawn Draper as a woman, this like really sex positive, but like there's a darkness to it. Like women with these sort of voracious appetites. Um, she's a lesbian fishery service agent that lives in this place. That's like a vacation LGBTQ like vacation party zone. And, um, what happens when this character intersects with the opiate epidemic slash crime. And I sort of was like, I'll figure out the crime later. I, I just want to, I just like loved this character and I knew it was a character we hadn't seen on TV before. Um, and that's kind of how it started. That's so cool. And so when you got the idea on the five, did you um, go home and write it down really fast before you forgot it? Or like, what was your process there? I actually called my friend, a good friend of mine, um, who used to live in Provincetown. And I like told her the idea, which I don't usually, I don't recommend you tell people your ideas right away. But in that case, I did. And she was like, it's a TV show. And that was a gazillion years ago. I mean, I think this was in 2015 that I started writing it. So, um, but she, and she's actually, she's on the staff now. Her name's Molly Manning. Um, so that all worked out. That's but so uh, cool. yeah, I called somebody and I was like, I think I have an idea that's really an idea. And I just kind of went from there. Did you set out then to write the pilot or did you write a pitch first or how did you go about it? No. So I was on staff then on a show that shall remain nameless. And I felt in my heart of hearts that I was going to get fired from that show. Um, and that I really better write something else to go out with. Um, but in my mind, it was really just going to be a sample, like to get staffed with. It wasn't ever that I was going to sell it. But then when I gave it to my agents, they were like, oh, no, we can sell this. So then it went out as a sort of a spec and um, Jerry Bruckheimer TV came on board and we went out and pitched it. And then and then the stars bought it and ordered a second episode, which I wrote. And then they opened the room and greenlit production. But um yeah, I wrote the I, I wrote the pilot, but it, it wasn't in my head as as gonna that it, it was necessarily ever gonna see the air. It was just something I was doing on my own. So, how collaborative was that process when Bruckheimer came on board? Did it change or alter the pitch or anything, or was it still pretty much your vision? It was totally my vision. They really loved it. It was their first uh, premium cable thing. They really. They really championed it. I mean, I don't think there was any notes, really. They helped me crack. Then when we went out to sell it, we did what's called a drop-off pitch, which is it's not as long as a real pitch because you're leaving a script with them. So it's really only 10 or 15 minutes. So they helped me create the pitch. But in terms of the actual script, it really didn't change. And then Stars barely changed it. So it's been incredibly gratifying that it's really been my baby from the beginning. Um, and I'm sure I'll never have this experience in television again, but it's, it's a pretty good first 
experience. Yeah, that's incredible. Did And how did you know that you were going to get fired from that other job? Was it just intuition? <laughs> or did you get did fired? fired? My agent's always like, don't say you were fired. It wasn't fired. It was just not asked back for a third season. But, um, uh, you know, that's the thing about being on staff is for me as a writer, I feel like you have to trust. All you can really do is trust your instincts as a writer. And if your instincts aren't in sync with the person who's in charge, like it's, it's no one's, it's not, it's no one's fault. It's just not a good fit. So I think it was, I had a sense that that's what was happening. Okay. And so did you have any obstacles on the way to getting this made? First of all, was it an hour long script that you wrote? Yes. An hour. Yeah. Cool. Um, Obstacles. It's so weird. I mean, it's been a long process. Because like I said, I started writing it in 2015, turned it in in 2016 to my agent. So it's been a long process. But at every step of the way, it felt like it, like what's that expression? Like that it was born under a good sign or whatever. Like it always felt very blessed. Like the right people always came to it at the right time. And it always felt like it was moving forward just slowly. Um I would say as a writer in general, my obstacles have all, it's always, I mean, I was a very late bloomer. I was a 37 year old staff writer when I got my first gig, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think I stood in my own way for a long time and, you know, low self-esteem bullshit, whatever stuff has been an obstacle, but I don't feel like this project has had any crazy obstacles. It's actually been, it felt very lucky and smooth to be honest with you. Yeah. And how long did it take you? Well, how did you overcome those obstacles of self-esteem issues or, or getting in your own way of writing that first great spec? Yeah. Um, you know, I think a lot. I mean, I think just growing up and therapy and other modalities, but, you know, kind of growing, you know, being sober in a long time. Like I just, you know, a lot of things kind of came together where I was ready to like own what I was good at and, and trust the voice in my head, trust the story, not be trying to chase somebody else's idea or, you know, or my idea of what somebody else would like, you know, just, it just kind of all came together. And also, you know, staffing on TV. I mean, Hightown is very different from any of the shows that I wrote on, but all I learned something from all of those shows. I mean, writing on a staff is the most amazing, like, training you can have. So just getting better at the craft of TV writing so that when I was ready to write this thing, I was ready to do it. How long did it take you to write? Like, what was your process writing that hour spec? Was it like, did you get up and write every day for an hour? Or like, what did it look like for you? No, <laughs> I'm not disciplined <laughs> like that. And I don't like it when people say you have to do it any one way. Um, I think I start. so I started it on hiatus when I was on that show between the two seasons. So I think I wrote the first like 40 pages on that hiatus. Then I went back to work. So I put it down for like whatever long, however long that was, six months or eight months. And then I picked it up and I read what I had and I made some changes and I finished it that I probably took me like three weeks to finish. So it probably took two months total, but there was a huge gap in the middle. Wow. And did, were you inspired by any other similar shows or you're pretty much just following your intuition on the whole thing? No, no, definitely inspired. 
Um, the Wire, huge. Um, you know, High Town is not a whodunit. Like you're seeing everybody, you're seeing the good guys and the bad guys doing their thing equally. Um, Sopranos, in terms of like it being a crime show, but with a ton of personal, you know, character development, I guess you would say. And also, humor, like both The Wire and Sopranos were so funny at the same time as they were violent and also had like sort of procedural aspects, I guess. So those two shows were definitely like the pinnacle of what I was trying to do. But then, I don't know, maybe Homeland because it had a strong female lead, but I would say those two are like my classic go-tos or inspiration. Okay, cool. I cannot wait to see this show. And when, like, what what were the the big takeaways from your other staff writing jobs? Like, what helped inform writing this? Well, The Mentalist was my first show, mm-hmm. and I loved that show. It was so fun. We had such a good time. The, actually, you know what? I've never been on a bad staff. Like, I've always loved everybody I've worked with. So that's but we had we had a particularly great time on that show. And it just, and it was like, but it was, you know, it was a CBS network procedural television show. I mean, it was not, I was not in the demographic to watch that show. It was very sort of old fashioned Matlock style television. Um, But it taught you to like, get things going, man. Like you got to act outs. You got to get people back after the commercial. Like, let's do this. And uh, it really taught me, you know, structure and also, but to have this compelling lead character that you just want to put them in different situations. Like if you can come up with this character where the audience wants to see them at the bowling alley, at the bar, what happens if that character goes to an AA meeting? Like if you can just start pitching on like, it would be fun to see that character do this, then you know, you're golden. And that was, I learned that from that show. Cool. And did you have to pitch a lot of places to sell Hightown? Or like, was it like, yeah. did, you, did you guys go to like 10 places in a week and it was a bidding yeah. war or like what happened? <sighs> I wish there was a bidding war. That'd be a great story. <laughs> um, yeah, we pitched like five or eight places and probably over a two week span and Stars was the only one that wanted it. Okay, cool. And um, did Jerry Breckheimer go to the pitches with you? He did not. No. His, uh, his TV department has went. And they've been fantastic. That's amazing. And so, like, I'm so interested in this show. Like, how did you write a character? Um, you know, how did you write about the opiate crisis? Did it require hiring a lot of consultants or doing a lot of research? Yeah. Or, um, Well, my husband's from Cape Cod. Um, so, and his mother is a labor and delivery nurse. Well, she's retired now at Cape Cod Hospital, but maybe maybe five or 10 years before we were talking about the opiate epidemic, like before it was like in the national conscious, I guess she was talking about like how her job was changing a lot and how like a lot of the mothers that were coming in to deliver their babies were addicted and the babies were being born addicted. So like I started to hear about this other side of like Cape Cod was changing. Um, And so that was sort of in the back of my mind, I guess, when I was writing it. And I just started, you know, just Googling, Googling, like drug arrests on the Cape. And then I started to see there was this thing, the Cape Cod Drug Task Force is a real state police drug task. You know, that's who investigates all the drugs on Cape Cod. And then I just cold called the lieutenant of that unit. And he chatted with me for like four hours. And he said, oh, you should meet, you should meet two of my guys. 
So then I ended up flying out there and doing like ride-alongs with them. But that was actually after I'd written it. Um, it was funny. I wrote it without having done as much research. And then I kind of called them and found out that I had like gotten it like 90%, 85% right. Then I kind of filled in what I didn't know. But okay, cool. Of, yeah. So, um, and then how long did stars give you to write the series? So I wrote the second episode on my own and then we opened a room. We had 20 weeks to write the, so I had written the first two and we opened the room. So then we had 20 weeks to write the next six and we did that. Okay. And when you were hiring people, did you ask if they had opiate experience? <laughs> I don't think you're allowed to ask that. Okay. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but it came up and it came up and everybody did was the scary thing. Everybody has a cousin. Everybody has an uncle. Everybody yeah. has a friend from high school. Um, and then there were a lot of, you know, sober people that sort of filtered through the projects because they're attracted to, the, I mean, there's a lot of like recovery in the show too. It's not just the epidemic. There is, there's a lot of sort of spiritual growth as well in the show. So people who relate to that or are interested in that, they out, they out themselves essentially in when you interview them. So, but no, I didn't say only junkies need apply. <laughs> um, have you had any personal traumas similar or in at all um, that you had to overcome in your life that helped you with your creative process? Um, I mean, certainly getting sober was like a big step forward in becoming a grown up and just becoming somebody that can sort of follow my dreams, I guess, like better without, you know, it's a corny way of saying it. Um, and I also have lost a lot of people to, you know, drugs and overdoses in my life. Not weirdly sort of not in this current epidemic, but like in, there was a bubble in the nineties of, in sort of my heyday of heroin use. And so I'm very familiar with that world and that lot, that particular loss. And I've gotten that call. Um, I don't know that that's something I had to get over, but it's certainly experience that I drew upon. How did you, well, like what helped you in your life to, to, to process or overcome the deaths of, of people close to you? I don't know. What choice do you have? You know, you just like, um, I don't know. I don't know how I, you know, you stumped me. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, yeah. What would you say? Um, let's go to audience questions here. What would you say to listeners trying to create their own TV show? Oh, I love this question. Um, you know, like I said, for me, I just wrote this thinking that it was never going to have an audience, that it was really just for me to have a sample of my voice to try and get me work. Um, so I, and I, I feel for me, every time I have tried to write something 
where I was chasing the marketplace or chasing what somebody thought I should write, it always came out shit. And every time I've written the thing that I sort of thought was just for myself, it's come across well and really connected with other people. So I, I, I'm a big believer in like following your own authentic voice and um, not trying to chase the marketplace. And, uh, and like we're in this age of television where there's like 7,000 TV shows. I mean, like write your weirdest thing. Why not? You know, it's what it's like to me, it's like what indie film used to be is now it's TV. So don't hold back. You know, I love that advice. Uh, Brian Danley has a question. I have only recently come out about my recovery at work. Did you have any fear about doing that? Um, it's so tricky with, uh, public media and all, but, um, I don't have any problem talking about sobriety one-on-one, but I'm trying to be respectful on the old internet, so I'm being vague. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't have a problem at work. No, I feel if it's useful, if it's relevant and useful, why not? And if I don't, and if, and if it can be helpful to somebody else or to the story, great. And if not, I don't need to talk about it, you know, but I'm not ashamed of anything about that. Yeah. Okay. Good questions. We have another one from uh, Kate Miller. Did any of you, uh, two questions. Did any of you know each other or work together before this panel? <laughs> <laughs> well, Melinda and I are friends of friends, but I don't know anybody else on this panel. That's but right. I admire everybody else on this panel. <laughs> very, very good answer. How long did it take to get uh, High Town off the ground? Also from Kate Miller. How long did it take to get High Town off the ground? I remember auditioning for it when it was called P Town. I think. Oh, yeah. She says. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So Jerry Bruckheimer TV came on in the spring of 2016. I think we sold it to Stars spring of 2017 I think we opened the writer's room in spring of 2018 shot it in 2019 and here we are it's coming out in 2020 so it took a while to get it off the ground I don't even know what which part constitutes the ground and what's getting off it but that's the timeline so what happens next it airs in a couple weeks on stars a couple weeks and I'm really proud of it, and they really loved it. Stars really loves it, and they're putting a lot of resources into it, which is very gratifying. And um, and they already uh, ordered they ordered a second season's worth of scripts, so we already have those scripts. So that's good. That's so amazing. Ten, ten scripts, yeah. That's yeah. so great. So um, so now you are what what perfect timing too, because it's coming out during the pandemic when people have time. To yeah. and it's about a uh, pandemic. Epidemic. An yeah, epidemic. it's very it's very odd writing this next season, which but it, which takes place in December of 2019. So I was like, like, you keep wanting to write about the pandemic, and you know it hasn't happened yet in that world. It's so weird. It's so weird. So yeah. what? How are you handling your pandemic? Do you have any sort of process that's helping you through right now? Or are you just kind of winging it? I am winging it, man. I got two little kids and they 
have to be schooled and kept alive and fed and then I have to be writing and um, you know I we live luckily we live up in the hills and it's really and so I get to go outside I mean it really it's weird because on a moment-to-moment basis it feels like life normal life right you're like at home or you're with your family and then I'll wake up in a cold sweat like oh my god everything has changed you know but it's really just depends on my mood in the moment you know how it is but I go for a lot of walks I try to call a lot of people stay connected I'm an extrovert I like talking to people I was like thrilled to come on tonight I'm like I get to talk to a grown for half an hour it's amazing <laughs> I'm so glad you can make it I also am so inspired that you got your first staff writing job at 37 I think that really is inspiring to a lot of people or will be when Good. we find out yes never give up I, yeah, I was an assistant on that show before then he gave me my first shot and I'm it was great. Was that the mentalist? Yep. I was the assistant to the showrunner for four years before he, before I got my first freelance episode and then it went well. And, but I think that was really good for me because I got, I was really familiar with the show by the time I got my first shot and I felt really confident. I mean, I think confidence is such a big part of it. Right. So it, and then it came out really well and he ended up stabbing me and he took me to the next show. So like it was, it was like, it was the it was the right timing, you know. Yeah. Ultimately. And um, and what makes you like when you're hiring writers, like what stands out to you or makes you go, that's a match. Yeah. Um, you know, I always read the script. I read their sample first before I meet them. So I always want something, even if it's not a perfect script. Like I want something to jump out at me as like, oh, that's interesting. Like. Oh, this I never would have thought to write that. Oh, look what this person brings, you know? Like if it was just totally competent and boring and like the right things happen at the right time, there's nothing interesting about it. Like I don't need another person who can like move pieces around on the board. Like I want the person that brings that weird thing that I don't have. So always looking for something unexpected in the script. Um when you meet them, it's just really personality, you know, like how do they, you have to spend a lot of hours with this person. Are they fun? Are they kind? How, when they talk about the script that they read of like the pilot or the show that they want, you know, when they talk about the episodes of Hightown that they watched, like, are they asking the right questions? Are they engaged? Do they, you know, how can they speak about what part of it was interesting to them and elaborate on that in a way that you feel like, oh, that would be really interesting. They have an interesting take on that. That's, um, that makes sense. Yeah. How'd you come up with the name Hightown? I love it. Uh, so it was called P-Town for a long time. Um, mm -hmm. And that is the town where the lead character lives. Um, but I I always felt like that was a cop-out calling it that because it really it really is about all of Cape Cod. And, and Provincetown is a very, very small town and a very specific town. So I felt that it minimized it, having it all take place in one town. Um so then when I was with my, so then I ended up hiring those cops as my technical advisors. So I was with the technical advisors and I was like, is there any other name that sort of has to do with drugs and Cape Cod? And they couldn't think of anything. And then he was like, oh, well, the kids call Hyannis Hightown. Oh. And Hyannis is like the big city with the sort of biggest drug problem on the Cape. So I was like, oh, it's perfect. 
Oh, they call I it love that. But then we changed it to H-I-G-H. Okay, cool. Yeah. Did you guys shoot in um, in Boston too? We shot for a week in Provincetown and Cape Cod, and but the rest of the time we shot in Long Island, New York, Long Island. Okay, cool. Um, wow. Well, I cannot wait to see this show. Is there anything else we should know about it? Um, it's funny. It, if you like a sort of Ben Affleck, Casey Affleck, Matt Damon, like Massachusetts ball breaking kind of thing, that's, that's certainly the vibe there. Um, and it's really sexy. I take sex scenes very seriously. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of sex and it's very, and it's romantic and there's, there's a lot, there's a lot to it. It's not one thing. Is it, did you guys have an intimacy coach for the sex scenes? It's funny, we actually didn't, but I think we are going to season two. Okay. But um, we always had me and the other executive producer, who's also a woman, we always had an intimacy meeting like weeks before with the director and everybody talked out what what it was going to be and what they wanted it to be, what we didn't want it to be, talked about the blocking. So we always had it a very comfortable and safe discussion beforehand but i think we are going to have an intimacy quarter correct and then with the who knows what how anything is going to be shot anymore that's all like a moving target right now yeah with the pandemic so and um yeah you guys might be filming everyone's scenes on zoom in their own rooms (laughs) that'll be sexy (laughs) (laughs) um i'm really happy it sounds like a lot of very captivating characters and a lot of fun sex and fun drugs and not so fun <laughs> sex and not so fun drugs and a lot of fun recovery. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you, in your dream, dream of dreams, what do you want to do next? Or are you not even thinking that far down? It, no, I have, uh, I have a bunch of other show ideas I would love to get off the ground. And I'm, I hope that will happen soon. Um, I'll talk to my corporate overlords and pitch them on some ideas and see what they say. But yeah, it would be, uh, I have, I actually wrote another script sort of while this was getting off the ground that I would love to get out there. It's very different. It's a half hour actually. So, um, that's cool. Well, it sounds like, uh Oh, I don't know what happened. I've lost you. Um, I don't know where I've gone, but I want to see, Say Rebecca, thank you so much for joining me. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna fix the IG live, but we're you guys, everyone go watch uh, Rebecca's show High Town on Stars, and um, and uh, we're all looking forward to it. And thank you so much for joining us, Rebecca. Thank you. Hi guys, thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I so appreciate you. We could not do this without your support. So thank you so much for sharing the podcast with anyone who you think could benefit or enjoy it on your socials, um, to your email list, etc. And also, if you would like to be a patron of the podcast, you can actually just click on Anchor to become a patron for any amount that you want to pledge per month to keep the podcast going, any and all contributions are greatly appreciated. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.
on Let's Process This with Melinda Hill. Yeah. <laughs>